I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston, but also me you. holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston. This is crazy. We're just like right across from each other, and we're both holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston. It's so held down out here. Dad, how left out do you feel right now, scale of 1 to 10? Well, I feel even more left out because you guys didn't tell me you were doing this. I, you know, I'm just left out in the cold. I mean, what, when, when are we doing the grievances for Christmas? Because I got, I got a lot of them. Okay. I got a lot of grievances right Me. now. All of a sudden, you guys, it's a big family party there at the DK Studios, and all, I'm left out here. I don't know what the hell's going on. This is I mean, what, what are you doing to the This old is man? what happens when you have someone who fundamentally doesn't understand email and technology. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you, you knew, but yeah. we, we talked about it in the meeting yesterday. We gave you a lot show. of heads up. What it sounds like is you don't pay attention to anything that we're trying to tell you. you you don't listen to anything that we're trying to say. I think, Mike, your mother might have locked my email account. 
I don't know. Oh, she locked yeah, it? I, oh, yeah, that's okay. how it works. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, yeah. that's definitely the smart route to go is blame mom on this one. So I'm yeah. going to veer you away from that <laughs> and remind people that we had a great show for today. And as always, they need to download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network, DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, Roku. Tell a friend. We're on live every day here. We got great guests to help out with that as well. Diana Rossini, senior NFL writer over over at The Athletic is going to join us for some NFL news and notes. we got Kenny Moore, great safety for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who are right now looking like a playoff team, getting ready to go. So we'll tap in with him as he has been part of backup quarterback mania on that team. And, Dad, for the Philadelphia Eagles last night, they become another victim of a backup quarterback around the league doing great things as Drew Locke orchestrates a 92-yard legacy drive to oust the Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks get off a four-game skid, Dad, and do it on the backs of uh, another reminder and another cool performance that I, I think has been a bigger part of the storyline this year. But what you saw from Drew Locke during the game, after the game, the conversation that he had with Lisa Salters that we'll yeah. get to there, it was hard not to be romantic about some of what happened at the end of that game last night. You know, in this game, the talk was more of the Philadelphia Eagles and could they come back from what they had done. But Seattle, they didn't care about that. They were fighting. They're fighting for their own playoff slot, of which they moved up one from ninth to eighth. So they're still just on the outside uh, looking into this one. They're looking up. Uh, at the Rams right now, and unfortunately, the Rams swept them this year. So, you know, th as they try and get into the playoffs, backup quarterback Drew Locke finds out late. Geno Smith has the groin. They're not sure if he's going to play. You know, it's one of those where you have to have your inactives up uh, 90 minutes before the game. So what route does it go? And Geno Smith was dressed, well, though. I was going to say, he was dressed. And I remember, yes. Den, I, I, I felt like this was in line with what you just saw. I saw Ryan Clark on Monday Night Countdown who said, if your starting quarterback is dressed, he's going yeah. out there and playing. And that's usually yes. the thought process here. So to your point, Dad, Drew Locke got handed the baton what felt like very late, late in this process. And, and Ryan was absolutely right. You see someone in pads, for the most part, they're going, you know, because that, that's something. That's something like you do in high school. You're not playing in this game, but still put those pads on and be with your team, you know? <laughs> you, know, you, know you don't see that in the NFL. If you're not going to play, you know, usually in your street clothes. So he did find out late, but kudos to him and what he did, especially not only getting the start late in this one in a team fighting for a playoff spot, but here you are down uh, four with, a, what, about a buck 52 to go, and you're on your last drive, and you got a long way to go. You know, and you drop a couple of dimes in this. First of all, also give give credit to DK Metcalf. That one catch he had sliding Ooh. on the ground, ripping it from James Bradbury, was unbelievable during that drive. And then what can you say? Drew Locke just dropped two dimes, one on the on the sideline to DK Metcalf, and then to Jackson Smith and Jigba for the for the touchdown. He dropped that one in. I love the split screen highlight I saw of uh, Smith and Jigba making the exact same catch when he was at Ohio State. But these were great catches, don't get me wrong, but the throws were so right on the money for Drew Locke in the biggest part of the game that he came through for his team, another backup coming through for their team. That is the story of the year. I had mentioned all the division leaders still had their starting quarterbacks, but you know there are more teams that go in the playoffs than the division leaders. 
And Drew Locke is, has helped Seattle stay right in the battle for this. Two great passes by him. Uh, two really great passes by him. An overall great effort by this Seahawks team, right? Kenneth Walker III running really well. Yeah. They've really leaned into this idea of multiple tight end sets, two and three tight ends on the field at a time. And, and last night tried to attack and challenge the Eagles linebackers for all the reasons that we know about the personnel issues there. Julian Love, Notre Dame's very own, with yes. two big-time interceptions in this game including the one that slammed the door shut on the Eagles' final drive. We'll get to some of the decision-making from Philadelphia in this yeah. game that was certainly suspect at some critical junctures and kind of do a checkup on them right now because this is a team heading into a really easy stretch of games to finish the season that I don't think is going to really change what is ultimately true about this team at this juncture. But I want to get to... The interview with Drew Locke after the game yeah. goes and leads this drive. You know, our buddy Mina Kimes was on the Manning cast last night, ESPN NFL analyst, and was talking about, you know, being a Seahawks fan and the dubious nature of watching your backup quarterback going into a primetime matchup like this against one of the better teams in the NFC and jokingly said, you know, here comes the Drew Locke legacy drive. And sure it was. And he caught up with Lisa Salters after the game. And I want to play the whole sound. It's about a minute here yeah. of him explaining not just the play in great detail, but what it did mean for him to get this opportunity again this week. I mean, I, I'll remember that play call for the rest of my life, but um, we're breaking the huddle. I knew Jax had the one-on-one. -on -one. Good reminder from Shane in the headset. I say, hey, Jax, if you're one-on-one, -on -one, I'm throwing you this pill. Sure enough, gave us a one-on-one -on -one look. Corner was soft. Jax hit him with some speed. Back pylon, back box throw, came down with it. Again, Drew, we can see the emotion on your face. We can hear it in your voice. Can you, can you just describe what you're feeling in your heart right now? Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard to describe the feeling of, you know, not playing for so long, or at least what feels like a really long time to me. And then you sit there, you watch games, you wonder, can I do this still? I haven't been out there on the field. That's the human nature of it. You get back out there last week, I'm like, you know what? I'm the man still. I can go do this. And then you got another test this week where I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Sure enough, ended up playing. We're playing the Eagles tonight. The boys around me rally tonight, and it's just, gosh, it feels so good. It feels so good. I'm so proud of everybody tonight. And, and man, kudos to Lisa Salters for pushing all the right buttons in that yeah. one. That was really well done. But, Dad, it's such a great insight. I think so many people – when they think of backup quarterbacks, they think, oh, what a great job. You hold the clipboard yeah. on the sideline. You might run some show team reps during the week. You get paid NFL money. You get to hang out and do all of that and think that those guys are okay with it. These are all elite competitors who are yep. some of the best players at their college and have been some of the best players at every level of football that they've played at who are now relegated to doing all of the other parts of the job without the payoff on Sundays. And I think you've seen from so many of these guys what we've talked about with, with him and with what's going on in Cincinnati with Joe Flacco in Cleveland is, no, these guys are still competitors that are itching for the opportunity to go out and do the thing they've always done. I mean, we all have pride, right? I mean, everybody has pride. It's just, you know, when does it show up? Because you're right. We, everybody jokes, oh, backup quarterback's the best position out there. You don't get hit. You make all that money, just what you said. And, but, man, these guys want to play. You're right. These guys were all stars going up through high school and college and getting into the NFL. Uh, and, and now, just what he said there, you kind of doubt it for a, for a minute. You're like, can I still do this? You know, I'm not getting the opportunity can I still do it if I get the chance? And obviously it was a big show for him 
uh, last night. But that that is that was a great trip into the mind of a player who, you know, in 2019 plays five games, played his most games ever in 2020 when he played 13, six games in 21, nothing last year. And now his first year here, you know, what he's doing in Seattle, this was his fourth game this year, but the game starting and finding out how late he was going to start in this one, it is something for the psyche. You know, we keep talking about the physical aspects of a sport that's a physical sport. But, man, there's so much to the mental side of it as well, of where you have to go, of how you're preparing. You always hear any backup. Or a lot of times it's about the quarterback. and But any backup, you're one play away. So you're preparing week in and week out like you're the starter, like you're going to get on the field. And then for a lot of times in Drew Locke's career, he just stood there. He just stood there and didn't get in. So you finally are like, my God, you know, am I going to get a chance? And if I get a chance, what am I going to be able to do with it? Because guys, you know, like Drew Locke or backups, when you get your chance, if you go out there and screw it all up and look horrible, you know, there, there, there's a, a chance it'll be a long time before you get back on the field again. So while starters get all the reps, get a lot of leeway uh, until they possibly get injured or the play is just so bad, you know, backups don't really. You don't get the majority of the snaps in practice, and then boom, you're in the game and you're called upon. Now go get the job done, and uh, and he did tonight. Uh, but that was a great trip into the into the psyche of a backup. You saw him putting it out all on the line there early in that game. That first Kenneth Walker touchdown for them. Drew Locke going and throwing yeah. blocks in the end yeah. zone. It played like a guy. You know, I always harken uh, back to the the phrase from one of my old teammates who somersaulted into the end zone, got a penalty on a scoop and score. And they said, we think about acting like you've been there before. He said, I act like I'm never going back. Drew Locke played like a guy that didn't know when his next crack at this was going to be. And I thought the other cool part of that, you talk about a window into the different bond between teammates. Him talking after the game about Geno Smith and what a great teammate he was to him during the week and how supportive he's been during the last couple of weeks. Geno Smith, the guy who knows all about Drew Locke's perspective and what he's been through as a guy who had been the man for a while, had gotten the opportunity and then didn't know when it was going to come back again. You know, they wrote me off. I didn't write back. I I thought that was a really cool reminder. So many people see quarterback battles from the outside or see these rooms and think it must be contentious when in reality most of these guys understand the perspective of what someone's going through like that better and usually are going to do whatever it takes to help. That's why you know we always call it the ultimate team game. So for Seattle, their playoff hopes stay alive after that four-game yep. skid. They're just on the outside looking in with the Rams team right now who owns some tiebreakers with them. But the Rams have to play the 49ers to end this season, and the Seahawks don't. And that is a huge leg up <laughs> if you're this Seahawks team right now. On the other side, Jesse, we got to do a checkup from the neck up uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles, and that probably starts with their quarterback, who we actually have to do a checkup on because he was playing a sick game last Yeah, a physical checkup because he was throwing up, and he was questionable (laughs) to play with an illness going into this one. And he had a difficult night. You could tell he had been throwing up. He had 13 carries for 82 yards, two touchdowns, but he was just 17 of 31 passing for 143 yards, and then the two picks there. As a reminder, like we said, he was unable to practice because of this illness. He flew separately from the team on a private jet. Wasn't clear that he was going to play until the list of inactive players was announced 90 minutes before uh, kickoff for this one. And Hertz, in the postgame presser, he was hard on himself, and he had an interesting little sort of slip here. We didn't execute. Um, I don't think we were, we're all were uh, committed enough. You know, you know, just just got to turn it around. You know, 
you know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace and just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that, about being committed or not? Commitment. I don't, don't know that I had a dictionary on me now. Um, excuse me. I don't know um, how else to say that. Okay, oh so boy. that was definitely a slip, the commitment thing, and he sort of started trying to backtrack the minute he realized that it came out of his mouth. But, guys, this is their Eagles' third straight loss. You got Jalen Hurts up there saying not everybody's committed. So what's going on here? How concerned are we? Yeah, my tendency, Dad, was to, at the beginning, read into this because I remember I, I had Sports Center on postgame, and usually they throw to these press conferences, and you don't get a whole lot. And I heard this, and I kind of perked up for a second, and then you really sort of think about it Jalen Hurts I'm sure was getting IVs was on all sorts of medicine is sick going into this game goes out there and lets the adrenaline take over for three and a half hours and then coming down off that I, I to me dad that sounds a lot more like a guy who was just trying to like cliche buzzword his way through the interview in a way that he's normally very good at Jalen Hurts is one of the most thoughtful yeah. thoughtful athletes that we have that just in that moment realized oh that might sound like I'm coming at someone on my team let me try and moonwalk away from from this I don't know if you felt any different oh oh yeah as soon as he said it I think he realized he shouldn't have said it and kept going with his answer and then you knew that next question was coming which is a completely fair question to ask what do you mean You're, you guys are committed at that point I'd have said guys I'm on so much cold medicine right now I don't know what I'm saying good night everybody yeah because <laughs> uh, because yeah I because he's going to be asked about it again you know, the, the other teammates are going to be asked about it. They're going to, it's, it's going to happen. And, you know, it's fair to ask when the, the, the reporters go in the locker room, hey, after the game, Jalen, and I don't know what other interviews happened then, but back in Philly, it's going to be. Jalen said, you know, there was a lack of commitment. You know what he's talking about. So it will be interesting the next time Jalen talks and what he says about that. And so put, putting that aside for a moment, and looking at the game, if you drop down, Mike, and look at the stats of this game, you would think Philly won the game, right? I mean, they had 23 to 16 more first downs. They had more total yards. They held the ball for, I think, six or seven more minutes. They ran for more yards, 178 to 100, and, and lost this game. Uh, throwing the ball, Jalen wasn't great. A couple of interceptions. What I didn't understand is so – Give Seattle credit. They take the lead, 28 seconds to go. Philly's got the ball. Philly's got timeouts. They get the ball to their 45-yard line. There's 13 seconds to go. They still have two timeouts. Your kicker, now, I don't know if he's going to tie his career long because the weather's kind of crappy, and Jake Elliott is 61 yards. So that means you need to get to basically the 43-yard line of Seattle to get where he has kicked his biggest one. His, his biggest field goal. That's not even 15 yards. You have 13 seconds and you have two timeouts, which gives you still the entire field to use. And, and Seattle had been playing a little softer at that point. I do not understand uh, the call. Ben Johnson's the O coordinator between him and Nick Siriana that they go with this long ball down the sideline. I know at times you do it to maybe get the interference call, 
But you got a corner on there. You got a safety and Julian Love coming over the top who makes a great interception. I did not understand that play at all, Mike. No, and I think both interceptions came in junctures where you weren't understanding why the Eagles were trying to force the ball over the top. When you're right, the underneath work had been there all night. The places where the Eagles' offense had been so good on their best days, getting the ball to the tight end, getting the ball to A.J. Brown in the middle of the field, running the ball with Jalen Hurts, who was your leading rusher again last night. There were a lot of positive signs for the Eagles where you felt like, all right, this is them getting back on track. Their three scoring drives were all 12 or more plays were all at least four and a half minutes. They were the kind of sustained things that we had become accustomed to. Jalen Hurts in this game tied Cam Newton back in 2011 for the most rushing touchdowns in a season yep. by a quarterback with now 14 on the year, I believe. Um, and so you look at that and you think, all right, we're getting there, but it still felt disjointed. It still fight felt like in those critical junctures that they weren't necessarily sure what they wanted to do. Right. And then on the other side, defensively, I know so much got made, Dad, of the Matt Patricia play-calling right. switch leading into this game. Nick Sirianni said after the game, that was my decision, it starts with me there. All the things you'd expect to say, but, Dad, it was the same personnel problem there. Keely yeah. Ringo's got to slide in on the back end because you've got the injury to Darius Slay. The <laughs> linebacker core was clearly targeted by Seattle, who used all those tight ends, did right. all that east-west stuff to try and make those guys tackle in space. And, again, the personnel showed up. The thing that surprised me most, Dad, was how often it seemed like that Eagles interior defensive line that's so good and has got so much talent was getting rolled off the ball by the Seattle offensive line and getting run on by Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. And that was a part of the that was a part of the defense that you thought of the most is that D line kind of keeping that defense together because he's had issues at linebacker and secondary. But, you know, as we sit here and look at it, they, they now dropped a fifth. As, as Dallas dropped, went up to, to number two. But, I mean, Philadelphia finishes with the Giants, Arizona, and the Giants. Dallas finishes with Miami, Detroit, and Washington. 24 wins of the Dallas side and 13 wins on the Philly side of, of teams, teams left who they're playing. They should win this out, and they should win the division. But this is a team that's won a Super Bowl and been to the Super Bowl last year. They do not look anywhere near that. And this could be some false advertising uh, with these last three games. Yeah, I was going to say, the final month of the season doesn't seem like it's going to be a great indicator right now. While you hope the Eagles continue to get healthier and can get closer to playing their best football, you're right, relative to the standard around there, right now this does not seem like a team that you can trust for a deep postseason run and certainly not trust to square off against the 49ers in the NFC. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Here's something that everybody saw coming. After losing to the Dolphins on Sunday, the Jets have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Here's a look at all the teams who are officially sidelined from the playoffs. Patriots, Jets, Titans out in the AFC. Panthers, Cardinals, Commanders are out in the NFC. And now... All eyes are on Aaron Rodgers. And if he's going to make a return to play with the Jets playoff dreams dead. So we've all said this is sort of hinging on at this point in the season. Like what if the Jets are still alive here? So his 21 day practice window, which the Jets opened late last month, expires this week. So the team's got to make a decision to activate him or what they're going to do officially end his season. And listen up, everybody. Robert Sala says Aaron wants to play. Uh, Aaron wants to play. That's let's not confuse that one. He's that's why he's been working so hard uh, uh, to get back, and um, his willingness to play, even if he's not even 100, percent is uh, um, is at the forefront of his mind. Like he he wants to go, but uh, but like I said, until he's actually cleared, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it with anybody. I swear to God, this <laughs> man. This man is going to play a snap of football. I've been saying it since day one. He's he's out to prove a point. His mind is more powerful than his body. He can heal himself with his mind. I don't know where where this is going, but I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is going to play a snap of football. Jess has been walking around the studio this morning, banging her sword (laughs) on the table, reminding all of us, I want you to cut every time I've said Aaron Rodgers is going to play. She wants to parade of gas bags, me and dad and everybody else who's doubted him at this point right now and, and dad I, I i to to support jesse on this a little bit i'd say the thing she has going for us aaron Rodgers is a total wild card we don't know what this guy's ever going to do and it's certainly not going to be the jets who have any control over him because as we've seen this is a hapless franchise who still doesn't have a real grasp on what it takes to win and they've got one guy in the building who actually knows what goes on with that and he's the one calling the shots they need him more than he needs them right now and so what he wants is what he's going to get But, Dad, I don't know how he could have watched that game against the Dolphins this last weekend and thought, you know what I want to do with my newly repaired Achilles? I want to go out there and get sacked six times and hit 14 times behind an offensive line that, I mean, we're going to talk about Zach Wilson and all the stuff with him. I don't know what they wanted him to do. There was nothing. There was no time. As soon as he was turning around, that dude was getting flattened by Bradley Chubb or Christian Wilkins or any number of defenders there. So if Aaron wants that life, I have to question his sanity, maybe more than his Achilles at this point. Well, Aaron wants wants to get on the field to show that I did this. I said I was going to do this, and I did this. And I can do this. Now, the Jets should by no means put him on the field. They should not put him on the squad. They should put him on IR for the rest of the year. Uh, that's tomorrow is the day they have, to, they have to do it by Wednesday. Decide if he's going on the roster. If not, he has to stay on IR for the rest of the year. Outside of him saying, if you guys don't put me on the active roster and let me play, I'm not going to play for you guys next year, there is no way I'd put him out there. It's also a roster spot. You know, they would have to cut somebody or have to move somebody around uh, to put him on the active roster. And, you know, all those spots are important uh, at this point. But Aaron Rodgers is the most important thing out there. 
listen, there's, we, we all know there's no way he should be on the field. There, there, there is zero, zero win for this organization to put him on the, on the field. The only quote-unquote win is Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm going to make it back by the end of the season and him making it back by the end of the season. That would be the only win of this. But you've got to look, the, the, the Jets have to look at the bigger picture of this thing and do not let him have a helmet and go on that field. That would be the dumbest move of a lot of dumb moves they have made to put Aaron Rodgers at risk of re injuring that thing. That would be colossally stupid. And, and I wouldn't blame, like, I don't know, it'd be hard to blame them in this one because Aaron Rodgers is the one who I'm sure would be pushing for that. Although, I, I will say, Aaron has been pretty candid in all the times we've seen him on yeah. McAfee or anywhere else that it was going to be how I feel right. at this point. And we know there's a massive delta between being cleared to go back out and practice and even being cleared to play and actually being physically capable of going and doing that in the NFL. Aaron knows that standard better than anyone, better than anyone possibly could with what it takes to not only go back out there, but to go back out there and play well. And as said, it's tied to that and it's tied to if we have a reasonable shot at the postseason. And now that that's gone, I do wonder if it'll sink in like, hey, I've done what I set out to do. I've already come back further and faster than most anyone else deemed even close to possible. Now let me also understand that I'm not going to have that many shots at the end of my career to go out here and be able to get back and try and win again at the level I have. Like, he's a guy that's nearing 40. That's the reality of the situation for Aaron. And one more injury would likely be the career ender at this point. So... I, uh, I think that's probably going to be the case there. So, Dad, the Jets do bring up an interesting conversation. Jesse mentioned all the teams that are out of the playoff run right now here. Are they the most disappointing team in the NFL this year? Like, when we look at how we framed the season to now, were they the biggest letdown of the season based off what we were sold at the beginning and what we bought now? No, I'm not doing that to them because they lost the most important part of it. So the expectations immediately dropped four plays into their season. So while it's a disappointing season for them, I'm not going to say they're the most disappointing team. If they had this record and Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback all year, I would say absolutely. But I'm not going to put that on them because of that quarterback injury. To me, it's the Chargers, Mike. I mean, the Chargers were 10-7 and seven last year. They do have that collapse in the playoffs, but they were still in the playoffs. So the expectation is the, the next step. And they have been awful. They have been absolutely awful this year. And you have weapons, even though you lost Mike Williams. You still have Keenan Allen, who I think is fourth in the league, third or fourth in receiving yards. You have Austin Eckler, who was nicked up a little early. But you have him. And Herbert, who was setting all kind of records his first year, you know, with, with yardage. The defense has certainly let you down. And that's Brandon Staley's side of the ball. But to me, that's been, that's been the most disappointing team. They've gone, like I said, 10-7 and seven last year. They're 5-9. and nine, So it's... It's going to be they're guaranteed a losing record. So to me, because they had just about all their ammo, save for Mike Williams, uh, that they would be better than they were. So that's where I would go. That's a, it's, it's a good point. And I think with the Chargers every year, they're the ultimate I'm ready to get hurt again at the beginning of every season. Yeah. Yeah. I should know better at this point and do better, but I don't because the names and the talent are so tantalizing and they've got one of the halves at quarterback. And so uh, that's a good pick. I, I thought the Panthers – in this case, for me, maybe it was just misguided, but we talked about with C.J. Stroud and with Bryce Young, 
oh, maybe there's a great opportunity for them to succeed this year. Because when you looked at the rosters for Carolina and for Houston, there seemed to be a little more than most of us were used to. We talked about the projection that C.J. Uh, Stroud had in Houston. I thought that we were going to have something similar for Bryce Young in Carolina, bringing back all their starting five on the offensive line, investing in high-end draft capital like Ike Aquanu and left tackle and some of these guys. And instead, they give up the fourth most sacks allowed in football this year. We look at their receiving room, and nobody steps up outside of Adam Thielen, who we all thought was done before the season started. And even defensively, it started to wear on a group that's got some talented guys in it by the end. Your coach ends up fired, and that franchise, forget even just Bryce Young and his future there, the franchise under their current ownership seems like one that's teetering on becoming a Jetsian level of inept. And so I look at them from where we started the season to where we end now in the way we view the franchise, not even just the team, yeah. has taken such a stark dip. Well, that, you know, the owner, I mean, just shows his colors with how quickly he pulls these decisions. I mean, it's not just his football team that he's done. Other things he's owned as well. So that, as we've talked about, a new coach who you're going to try and get is going to look at who's the owner and who's the quarterback. Now, it will be interesting for them as a quarterback who obviously just finishes his rookie year, so he's on a rookie deal, is what they do to continue to help build this team, where they go a wide receiver, how they restructure some of the things they're going to do. I get it. They were a disappointment. I don't know how many wins I expected. They have two. I certainly expected a little bit more than that. But I'll be interested where they go coaching-wise and how they spend their money in the offseason. And, and for a lot of these teams now, it's what's the sell to the next prospective head coach. We talked about the Chargers the other day having Justin Herbert to hold up. And now it's going to be for a coach. Do you want to come in and be in charge of the revitalization project that is Bryce Young in year two. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We got some worrying news out of Nashville. Derrick Henry said he's pondering his future after a frustrating loss to the Texans that knocked the Titans out of playoff contention. Henry's performance Sunday 
was his worst as a starter, okay? Just nine yards on 16 carries. Now, he entered the game averaging 203.6 rushing yards in his past five games against Houston. So definitely a decline there. Now, the Titans are going to make a decision regarding Henry, who's set to become a free agent after his four-year $50 million contract that he signed with them in runs out after this season and signed that in 2020. And he's getting very introspective about the whole thing. Yeah, definitely today, um, you know, you had that feeling, you know, we you know, had hope of kind of slipping in there and then being eliminated, you know, during three games left. Um, you know, I've been here my, my whole career. Um, definitely want to go out strong, which that isn't the case. But um, I'm just try to give them all these last three games and um, leave it all on the field. I mean, he said go out strong there. You heard him. Yeah, that is a man yeah. who uh, seems like he might be like, we have to check real estate Twitter to see if they're starting to like list homes or anything there because that seems like a guy that's sort of making peace with the situation there, Dad. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of read the writing on the wall there. For a guy, I'll never forget seeing him in person the first time was at uh, the draft at Tennessee that was in Tennessee uh, a few years back and I had to do a gig and it was with him. So we were back in the green room and he came walking in and I was just like, my God, I, I mean, yeah. how are linebackers and DBs tackling him? And people would always ask, how was you as a D lineman? You like to tackle that? I said, we have a good, we, we, we kind of can hit him before he builds up full speed. You know, he's not stiff arming, you know, between the tackles. So we can kind of, kind of wrap him up and we're bigger than him. So, so that helps. But what, what a freaking size. Going to be 30 January 4th. So even this see, as this season is finishing, he is going to turn 30. And we hear that number with running backs, what 30 does, you know, and he's at the end of his deal. Now, Tennessee has, I think, $91, $92 million in cap space. So they probably could sign him. I don't know what he's going to be looking for. He does have a career low right now in yards per carry at 3.8. He'll probably finish if on average holds. He's averaging about 16 carries a game. He'll probably finish at about 280 carries for the year. He was over 300 three times. So he's still the workhorse. Does he now go to a team where it's more the norm, Mike, is a two-man show in the backfield? You know, he has been the sole guy for so long, and that's been kind of pushed away in the NFL to, like, these two-headed monsters. And you wonder if that keeps his career going for another X amount of years by splitting time. You know, being a thunder and lightning, he's definitely a thunder guy. There's no doubt about it. So I wonder if that's the process. If he's going to leave Tennessee, does he go somewhere? I, I, I don't expect a, a monster deal at this point but somewhere where he could be preserve the career and go a little longer because he's now splitting time in the backfield. Yeah, and I'm sure it depends what he wants at this point, too. Right now, right. the interesting part is pretty much every running back that we talked about last offseason, remember, signed either some version of a franchise right. tag or the one-year deal, so they're all getting ready to be free agents again this offseason. So you're going to have a group that includes Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony, Par uh, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler. Now, some of the teams might play the tag game again. There's still some control that we know exists 
with this position, but it's going to be what the marketplace looks like and then what he's going to try and go for, Dad, because part of the step back, I think, in production this year is also looking at Tennessee's situation, right? Yeah. Big turnover in a lot of the offensive line situation around there. You go to a rookie quarterback midway through the season now and have to sort of ride the wave of what Will Levis is going to go through in his early development process. And if Derrick Henry at this point, who has been a part of their teams when he's been the rushing champion and they've been a playoff team when they were the one seed a couple of years ago, does he want to go try and maybe latch on to a contender and do some of that right now? Because we've seen, Dad, for a guy that's of his age and with his kind of mileage on him, Zeke Elliott's the only comp out there. Derrick Henry right. is the second active leader in career carries behind only Ezekiel Elliott. Both of them came in in their first uh, season in 2016 right now. Drake Henry has 1,980 carries. The next closest behind him is Melvin Gordon, who's a year older and has almost 400 fewer, as exactly actually, 400 fewer carries than Derrick Henry at this point, but we've still seen him be able to be productive yeah. in recent seasons, so he does have something to afford a team there. It's going to be like with the rest of these guys. What's the price tag looks like, and then what is he looking for potentially and willing to maybe take less for because of that? You use that term, tread on the tires. What does he have left? His tires were pretty stout, though. Man. Um, as far as handling these carries. But, you know, you mentioned the comp of Zeke Elliott, so you wonder if that comp goes that. I remember Zeke was the man, right? And then all of a sudden, he's splitting times with Pollard, and then everybody's like, wait, Pollard should be getting more of these carries. And it did start going to Pollard, and all of a sudden, Zeke's gone. You know, and, and he's in New England. So you wonder... What the future is here, and and as I've always talked about, it does not matter the sport. What and you said it uh, right at the beginning of this, Mike. What does Derrick Henry want? It's not going to be a money play because he's not getting a four-year, fifty million dollar deal again. He's made, he's had his biggest contract. There's yep. no shot. I'd love to see him get it. I'd love to see these guys get all they can, but that's not happening. So is it still the most money he can get? Is he comfortable in Tennessee there and wants to stay there? Is he looking for a ring? So is he looking to be a free agent and says, I'll split time on a really good team somewhere? Is it geographical for him? Does he want to be somewhere else around the country? These are all things we don't know unless he is going to tell us that. But these are things that go into a guy who's had a very successful career, has made some good money, especially from what, from what that position asks of you on what he wants to do right now. But if he lets money guide his way here, Mike, I don't think he's going to be able to go where he wants to go because I just, I mean, we've seen it, you know, and I, I just don't see a 30-year-old getting offered that big-time contract. So I, I wonder where he and his agent think he will fit into the pay scale because, as you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of younger running backs out there who are free agents as well. well you mentioned the, the idea of maybe being in a backfield like that splits the carries a little more. That, I mean, that's what he's in now. Tajay Spears, who came over there out of Tulane, has been a guy that doesn't have uh, – he has uh, – about the same amount of carries this season, I believe, as uh, Henry Spears has 410 snaps. So it's more uh, about the same snap, snaps. one fewer snap yeah, than him this season. Yeah. Obviously, carries hasn't been split there. But the idea that you've got someone else in that backfield who they're clearly comfortable getting on the field a little bit more, maybe that's appealing. Like you said, for the comfort factor there, I do wonder overall, Dad, looking at the running back situation now, because you're right, 30 was the clip before. We're seeing that creep up now in the way yeah. that people view this position. 
I wonder if any of the guys that we talked about last year have improved their station enough to get more out of their present deal. The only one that really comes to mind is Saquon Barkley, just because we've seen as most of the Giants offense failed to take another step forward this season. And as Daniel Jones dealt with not only injury, but a lack of production before that, Saquon Barkley was really the only consistent force for them for a long portion of this season. We didn't see right. that rewarded last time around, so I still have concerns about it being rewarded again. Yeah, I agree there. So I really don't think money can be the monster issue here for him. You, you, you know, you can't assume either, but, you know, I'm sure he'd love a ring, right? He's one of the great running backs of this time for his size and what he's done. I'm sure he'd like to put a ring on it. So where does that leave him going? You know, you know that he's going, you want to go to one of the top teams and what's a running back situation at a top team? Are they already kind of splitting time with someone else? Is it someone who's getting most of the carries? Uh, you'd be willing to obviously, like I said, split, split carries and split reps, which he started doing, as you mentioned, a little more this year from snaps, not so much actual carries. So that's going to be the big thing. What is on his mind? Because I'm sure there would be a lot of contending teams next year going into the season that would love to have him, have him on the team, but obviously it would have to be the right price knowing he is going to split time. Yeah, uh, we can talk about having a lot of mileage on you. Derrick Henry has consistently defied yeah. anything that we have yes. thought about what you should be able to do at a particular size, how well he moves, the workload yep. that he has shouldered year after year for this team. So count him out at your own risk. That man is big and scary when he hits the hole, and I am not going to be the one that tells him no on that. Coming up next, though, where were you for one of the greatest moments in bowl history? Toast everywhere next on Gojo and Golik. So we've got a new entrant, Dad, into the conversation for best bowl game sponsorship item to potentially be bathed in or bathe in last night. The famous Toastery Bowl, the first and likely last of its kind, took place yesterday between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. I say the last of its kind because this bowl game didn't exist in this form. A year ago, this used to be the Steve Levy Fest down there in the Bahamas. This used to be the Bahamas Bowl, but because of construction that was going on there, they had to move the game to Charlotte, North Carolina, which, spoiler alert, not very similar to the Bahamas having been to nope. both. Uh, and so they named it the Famous Toastery Bowl, which we found out Famous Toastery is a fast, casual dining restaurant with wonderful toast options. And he saw at the end of the game, Dad, Western Kentucky completes a 28-point comeback in this game. Phenomenal overtime thriller. And on the field after the game, you saw tons of players throwing toast. There's just yeah. toast out there getting tossed everywhere. I think I saw one of the players making a toast angel on the field. So where does that rank for you, Dad, among the things that we've seen? The famous Idaho Potato Bowl French fries, obviously the Cheez-It Bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl that I'm very fond of for you as far as bowl game sponsors getting in on the dump action. Well, I mean, it's unique, right? It's something we hadn't seen before. Still, to me, getting mayo dumped on you is one of the great things of all time. And every coach would say they'll before the game, yes, I want that. That means we won the game until the mayo's getting dumped on your head and you realize how long you got to be in the shower uh, to get all that, all that stuff off of you. I like it for its uniqueness. Um, I'm not sure how far, you know, you're throwing toast around. I... I I'm going to say the 
coolness of that kind of wears off quickly, you're throwing a piece of bread. I mean, what I'm glad didn't happen, that is not a dome stadium they play in. Could you imagine uh, birds? If all of a sudden there were a lot of birds there saying, you know what? Oh, yeah. A lot, of to- a, lot of, a lot of food getting thrown down there. All of a sudden there was just a mass of birds just descending upon the field uh, just a trying bunch to pick of up the toast. geese coming over uh, there and pecking yeah. at just yeah. tired players. Could end thinking. very poorly. <laughs> Could end very poorly. Yeah, yeah, no, not, yeah. Not fully thought out there. So yeah. I'd agree with you, uh, Dad, on that one. I still think the Mayo reigns supreme. I think yeah. if I was a coach or a player, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl getting French fries dumped on me would be the cool. most appealing yeah. in that. But I do appreciate it. It looks like it reminds me of graduation when everyone throws the caps up right now with everyone throwing all the toast in the air. I would hope a couple of the big fellas took a bite. Dad, this game also a very uh, big sign of the times in terms of the headlights, headlines coming off this one. We mentioned right. it's a 28-point comeback in this game. Caden Velkamp. Redshirt freshman quarterback was getting his first start in this game. He's the son of their strength coach at Western Kentucky there. Been a guy who hadn't played much at all this year. And it actually, back in November, announced putting his name into the transfer portal. Said he was going to go through, play the bowl game with his teammates, and then enter the transfer portal. Then he goes out in this game and helps orchestrate the win. Has one of the games of his life in this one. I'm trying to pull the stats up here now. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a he, second. He had, had himself a, a ball game. Had a yeah, there's no doubt about yeah, it. He went, went 40, 40 and 52, right. 383 yards, five touchdowns and an interception, and had 19 carries for 53 yards. He was the offense in this game. It was electric. And after the game, Dad started hinting that, you know, He's not sure if he's going to stay in the portal now. Western Kentucky has asked him to come back originally, but as a tight end. And so now might be reconsidering that. So that is, to me, Dad, modern college football in a nutshell in this game with what happened. And, and again, for the game, they were down 35-14 going into the fourth quarter. And Velkamp throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, outscoring Old Dominion 21-zip, tying it up, and then they get a field goal uh, in overtime to win that one. And again, when you're here to play tight end next year, he's 6'6", 235. Mm-hmm. So he actually does have the size of a tight end. But if he wants to play quarterback, Mike, there may be a team out there, if he's in the portal, a team you know, from a power five that says, you know what? Young, big, strong arm. Maybe we're going to bring him on to, into our program, especially if he doesn't want to play tight end. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him, whether it's power five or not, to go somewhere else and play quarterback if he wants to continue to play quarterback. Because the thing about it is, he's a freshman. He can go play quarterback somewhere. If he's no good, he can transfer him back to West, Western Kentucky well, and play tight end. Or maybe Western <laughs> Kentucky will look at the film from this game and go, maybe we should let the quarterback play quarterback instead of trying to make right. the quarterback play tight end. We'll see if they've updated their software at all. But, Dan, if we're going to talk about the, the modern college football landscape, yes, we got the biggest news rocking that as we are getting towards the second signing window here coming up. We know that there's the first national signing day back in December, and now – what had been the signing day back when I was coming up. This was the only right. one back in the day. And on the eve of that, we get some of the biggest news in the sport as the top quarterback, the top pocket passer, according to ESPN of the 2024 class, Dylan Riola, the son of Dominic Riola, the former Nebraska great offensive lineman, longtime NFL center, announces that he was flipping his commitment, had been committed to the Georgia Bulldogs for some time, was originally an Ohio State commit, 
and now announced that he is actually going to go and play his football for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And Dad did it in the form of this poem that he posted online. In the realm of college dreams where purpose takes flight, enter Dylan Riola, crafting his narrative in the night. Once lured by Georgia, where powerhouse glory gleamed, yet Nebraska's purpose in his heart brightly beamed. In the scarlet and cream where legacies entwine, Dylan, like Rogers, Rogier Crouch, a hero in the line. No longer a cog in some powerhouse machine, but a quarterback with an even grander ambition unseen. So fellow fans await with hope in the air for Dylan to choose his purpose to declare. In a weekend's decision, destiny calls to fulfill his purpose where a new dynasty enthralls. I hope the English department gives him class credit for that. That young man went above and beyond in an era of weird commitment graphics, Dad, to give us that beauty on his way into Nebraska. So what I'm going to ask, what I got stuck on there is, what's the grander ambition going I, to Nebraska? Maybe to be the guy, and we figured this is probably part of the sell, right? A guy who has an affinity for the school already and said, cog in a powerhouse machine. So this idea that going to Georgia, you're just another guy. And if we're looking for reasons around this, obviously most people assume Nebraska donors probably ponied up some money to go out there and give Matt Rule what he needs to go fishing in the portal, or not the portal even, but in recruiting for this guy. Right. And maybe the idea that, you know, we saw Carson Beck announce he's going to come back for his senior season at Georgia. And so maybe he looks at it and says, hey, I can go just be another guy there at a place that's already this factory and incredible school that's accomplished a lot. Or in his mind, I can come and be the thing and the sell that it always is. I can come help lift Nebraska back to glory, this place that I love so much so he's made a lot of moves he's played in a few different high schools before he went to Georgia he was 20 minutes from me here in Arizona at Pinnacle High School as a number one recruit moved to Georgia to play in high school ball down there because he had committed to Georgia and then now jumped to Nebraska again as you mentioned Dominic Riola his dad who I actually covered his last game in a bowl game against Northwestern where he destroyed everybody on the field I just wonder times that Mike at times do do these guys outthink themselves, you know, in the fact that, okay, Georgia's one of the best programs out there. I'm sure Dylan Raiola wants to go play in the NFL. And sitting a year while another quarterback plays his senior year is not the worst thing in the world to do. You still have some years to play. And you know the talent you're going to get around you at uh, Georgia. To go to Nebraska, if this is about the money as well, now, again, he wants to make his own money. That, that Dominic Riolo did pretty well in the NFL, making some money. So I, I don't imagine they're hurting there. So I just wonder sometimes if players are looking at the immediate as opposed to long-term, even though he could go to Nebraska for one year not like it and move on. I was on. just going to so, say, I, mean, I think the long-term yeah. is kind of a misnomer now because you're right, he can go here, try and play immediately for a lot of these high-profile five-star guys that think, I'll go three and out, I'll do my time, and I'll try and get to the NFL as fast as I can. But if it doesn't work out year one in Nebraska for a team that was, I think, 90th in sacks allowed and has other holes yeah. on the offense that they certainly need to plug here, then, yeah, I'm sure one of those other schools see what just happened happened with Dante Moore, who went from Oregon to UCLA and now back to Oregon, would gladly have him on the other side of this if it did go south.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.